What's up, what's up, what's up? This is the Black Guys Like Baseball 2 podcast, episode one. Uh, featuring myself, Terrence Nelson, out of Baltimore, Maryland, and my co-host... Brian Evans out of Cincinnati, Ohio. And um, we're going to get into a few different topics today. This is episode one, so we definitely want to talk about why we're doing this podcast. And, you know, black guys do like baseball, too. Fact. Stereotype that black people don't follow baseball, but we're here to shatter all of that. But this podcast, thoughts on where you think, you know, this thing can go, Brian? What's up? Man, I, I think uh, this thing is very necessary. It's a lot of... I guess uh, stereotypes that black guys don't like baseball, and uh, yeah, that is not 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 true at all. Especially where I'm from, you know, I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. All right, so in this episode, um, we're going to talk about why we do this podcast, opening day traditions, why it seems so freaking early this year everywhere. Big move with one of the biggest players in the MLB. That is well move hasn't really happened kind of sort of happened but not really um <laughs> one legend coming back to the diamond and another legend trying to get back to the diamond uh the one person in the world that thought Derek Jeter was not worthy of the hall of fame we'll get into that insane. and we'll do <laughs> right insane <laughs> <laughs> and uh we'll do a Negro League spotlight uh on Andrew Rufus the father of black baseball so strap up Oh, I shouldn't say strap up. That's not a good transition for a podcast, I don't think. Um, But (laughs) yeah, this is episode one, so let's get into it. I said, take, take. I said, take, take, take. Me out. To the ball. Gang. Take. I said, take, take. <laughs> Me out with the crowd. Now buy me some peanuts. Buy me some peanuts. The buy me. Buy me. Buy me. Buy me. Buy me. Buy me. Shout out to the legend Bernie Mac for the black take me out to the ball game. Um, that's like a throwback. I know some of y'all won't. That went over some of y'all's head, the whole <laughs> death comedy giant era. But um, that was some classic material from a legend Bernie Mac. Now, you remember when that when he first did that, or am I like super old? No, no, no. I definitely remember that. Uh, I think any uh, comedy fan should definitely know that. Um, yeah, that is a classic. Rest in peace to the legend, Bernie Mac. Rest in peace, Bernie Mac. Huge Cubs fan, if I remember correctly, too. Um, but again, um, it's the Black Guys Like Baseball 2 podcast. And again, why do this podcast? Um, just from my standpoint, there's like a huge lack of diversity uh, around baseball on every level uh, in regards to players, managers, front offices, people in the media, you know, all that stuff. Um, so I think that's, you know, one of the more important points to do, you know, a podcast like this. And, um, you know, Brian, just in your experience, you know, where do you see, you know, black people, African-Americans in, in the baseball world? As far as, um, you know, African-Americans, uh, I mean, you do look at the 70s, 80s. Uh, I mean, obviously earlier than that, but 70s, 80s, even 90s, uh, African-Americans were pretty dominant in baseball every from 
Oh my goodness. Uh, why can't I think of the names right now? That's weird. Um, I mean, Willie May was Willie Mays. Yeah, Willie Mays. I mean, Eddie Murray. Um, uh, God. Uh, yeah, Dusty Baker was out there. Yeah, Dusty Baker. It was just a lot. I mean, hell, I mean, for me, like, as far as Cincinnati goes, I mean, the big red machine, I mean, that was a nice, diverse team, but, you know, the brothers definitely carried, <laughs> carried the team. Right. And me growing up a Yankees fan, we had, what, Dave Winfield out there. Yeah. Like, it was just a lot, a lot more representation on the field. And I actually um, saw this interesting stat uh, the other day that there's only, there had only been five GMs in the history of Major League Baseball that were black. And I thought that was like hella interesting, being that like baseball is like literally the oldest professional sports league in America, right? Like, and only five GMs have ever, like, ever been black. That's insane. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. And then you look at the fact that, um, and I read something else that was weird, and this like kind of speaks to the culture. Like, once um, the manager Buck Showalter has said that. Ken Griffey Jr. wearing his hat backwards was disrespectful to the game. I and I was that. like, I was like, damn. Was he on Cincinnati when he when when uh Sean Walter said that? Uh, I think he man, I don't know. I think he was still in was he in Seattle when it happened? I don't know, but I know people did make that a big make a big deal of that. And uh I think to my knowledge, wasn't that the reason why he didn't want his hat backwards on his uh on the bus? Yeah, on the bus in the Hall of Fame. I think so. Yeah. Which, which is kind of it's which shows how deep that it is. Like I mean, we praise this man as being the kid. Like we called him the kid. Because he wore his hat backwards. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And and for somebody to criticize him, especially later in his career, like, oh, he's wearing his hat backwards. That's disrespectful to the game. Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> right. Like, ignore all the stats. Like ignore right. the fact he was surefire Hall of Famer. Right. Like you want to focus on his hat being backwards and like that's crazy. And like I said, that speaks to like the culture, like Exactly. And he was an ambassador to the game. I mean, people came out to see King Griffey, you know, play. He had the prettiest swing in baseball. And not even that, like he grew he literally grew up in baseball. Like his pops was still, you know, kind of like a legend in his own right. Right. So it's not like he was, you know, just somebody, you know, totally blind to the culture of baseball and he hadn't been around baseball all his life. And they still like Try to dog him out just for wearing his hat back. It was like that's, right. that's crazy to me. <laughs> yeah, they'll find anything. <laughs> yeah, <no joke. laughs> anything at all, or create something. Right, right. Uh, real quick, uh, uh, funny, funny thing. Um, and this could be just a Cincinnati thing. People may not recognize this, but uh, our old one of the old um, the owners of the Cincinnati Reds, March Shot. Um, she was on record calling <laughs> Barry Bonds like. Fruity because he wore his earring. Do you remember yeah. that at all? <laughs> I do. I remember that. Yo, when you said that name, like that. Took oh, me was so racist, man. That, <laughs> that's, not that's not even speculation. That is a fact. She was so racist. I forgot all about her. Didn't they like? They basically like stripped her of the team, right? They pretty much got her out of here. Like when she started making like statements like that on record, like everything was kind of behind the scenes up until that point. But when she started making statements like that, um. Yeah, they they, they kind of got her out of here. Right, and that's, like, my other point. Like, if these people make those statements in front of the camera, like, you can imagine, like, the way they view, you know, the black baseball players or people involved 
with baseball, like behind the scenes. Right. You know what I mean? I always think about that when they say like ridiculously racist stuff, like on camera, like, like best be sure they're saying something like 20 times worse, (laughs) you know, in those those meetings and stuff like that. So again, I think that's why, um, and like media is no better. So that's why I think this, you know, this podcast is important because I did a little bit of research in regards to the media as well. And like ESPN has like no black commentators for like the baseball broadcast. They got like one radio baseball commentator, which is Chris Singleton, and one black analyst for baseball, which is Doug Glanville. So it's like on every level or aspect of the game, like African Americans are just kind of like shut out or not represented. It. So I think that's why this podcast is going to be important too, just to give a black voice to to, to baseball fans. Absolutely. So we're here. We're going to be here. Um, so if you're black, you're a guy, you're a woman, whatever, you know, whatever you, I'm not going to go there, but, um, baseball, you know, this is the conversation. This is a safe space for you. And even now we only have two black managers, you know, one being, you know, Dave Roberts out in LA with the Dodgers and now Dusty Baker getting back into, uh, the game with the Astros, which we'll talk about a little bit later, but. I mean, even representation on that front is kind of kind of crazy at this point. Yeah, like you said, we'll talk about Dusty Baker. Come, I mean, uh, yeah, Dusty Baker coming up soon. But I think the fact that they gave him one deal, one one year deal, yeah, him a lame duck coach is that's pretty whack. It's like, yeah, we're just definitely using you to bridge the gap. Yeah, we yeah we'll get into that in a second. But yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get into that in one second because I had the same thought. But um, moving ahead, like opening day is coming up. I believe we're 50 days away at this point or 49 days away at this point. Yeah. And this is definitely feeling like one of the earliest opening days in the history of Major League Baseball. Um, a lot of games, I believe, will start on March 26th with all 30 teams playing. Right. If I'm not mistaken, to me, that kills a lot of tradition. I know here in Baltimore, uh, we used to have an annual – Fan fest for the Orioles, but they've actually canceled that this year with no particular reason at all, or at least not one given. I think that's, I don't know if this is going to be a trend, if this is an anomaly for this particular year, but I know out there in Cincinnati, you were telling me that opening day is a big deal. So how's this early opening day affecting the Cincinnati fan base? So uh, yeah, out here in Cincinnati, I think it was uh, two years ago, a Sports Illustrated writer uh, wrote an article on how big of a deal uh, opening day is in Cincinnati. Uh, again, with it uh, being one of the older uh, professional baseball teams, there's so much like history and tradition. So one of the traditions is that we will have a parade, which starts at a place called Finley Market, um, which is a old historical market um, since like the early 1800s, I believe. So the parade starts there. Uh, you have former baseball players. Um, a lot of big red machine players will be there. Johnny Bench. It's not baseball weather. You know what I mean? Um mm. In my opinion, uh, it should definitely be like mid-April. Like, and I don't know if this is going off topic, but I just feel like 162 games is a lot of games. Like, yeah. let's start the BS. Let's start, you know, late April, mid-April, where you know majority of the country is warm. I remember, uh, God, was it two years ago, three years ago, or heck, it could have been last year. Like, I was watching a game up in Detroit, and they were playing in the snow. <laughs> yeah that's because actually um i used to work at oil park in canada yards uh-huh. um, and you know during the season and one year it literally snowed on opening day and that was like the worst day of my working life ever 
Yeah. People were like, and like people were still like out there like drinking beers and they had, you know, water coats and all that stuff. But yeah, that, that was nuts. So yeah, I feel the pain of whoever experienced that in Detroit. Yeah, it's insane. And uh, like side note, I'm a photographer. So I try to go every year to uh, to opening day. And this mm-hmm. is how big of a of a deal it is in Cincinnati. Like people actually take off. Like people will either skip work or just take off. And it's kind of like just a known thing. Like if you happen not to be at work on opening day, it's kind of almost forgiven depending on what your work <laughs> environment is. Now, if you're in a corporate world, that might not fly. But right. you know, uh, other than that, like um, it's just a big deal. It really is. And um, so I normally schedule off. For every opening day to take pictures of the of the parade and everything, so I just think you know down the line I would love to show my kids, grandkids, you know how the parades were back then and things like that. I just think it's a nice historical fact. And uh, last year the Reds celebrated 150 years of uh, baseball, professional baseball. So, oh, okay, uh, yeah, it was a big deal last year. So yeah, like I said, we got lucky. We got lucky, but I don't know what it's going to be like. Uh, it seems like these winters are lasting longer and longer. And, uh, <laughs> right. You know, um, yeah, we'll see what happens this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the same way here. Like, it used to be almost as if, you know, opening day was like an official kind of like Father Sunday. Because, like, like you said, like people would take off work, people would, you know, take their kid out of school um, just to go to opening day. But I don't know how that, how this earlier opening day is going to affect that or if it's going to affect it at all. Um, but it definitely, it feels different. Yeah. You know what I mean? It feels different being this early. And to your point, you know, I've argued with, you know, some other f- baseball fans. I know that you can easily take a month off the baseball schedule and it would be okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, even if they started, you know, in in May and went through October, I think the game would be fine. Yeah. Like, to be quite honest. And I think it would create, you know, a little bit better of an experience for the fans and a lot of times like a lot of players don't even get like going into like may because like that april weather is so like weird and unpredictable right they don't really get into a groove until like it starts to warm up a little bit so it might even you know improve the quality of the game a little bit but um yeah i don't know what this earlier like i said i don't know if this earlier opening day is going to be a trend or they just trying it out I know the one thing that's different is all teams will play on opening day. That hasn't been the case. I know the last couple of years, they've had one kind of primetime game that was kind of the day before opening day. Right. Then opening day. I know a couple of years they had like teams play overseas and then have opening day. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So this is a little bit different that everybody's going to be represented on opening day. So we'll we'll see how that, that checks out. And I still might actually call out for work for opening day. So hope my supervisor doesn't, you know, watch this or listen to this podcast, you know, at least in these early stages, because I might not be there opening day. (laughs) (laughs) I digress. The way it's looking, it's either going to be raining or snowing, one or the other. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's 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 supposed to be rainy here that week, the early forecast say. Yeah. So I don't know. We shall see. But um you know, speaking of opening day, opening day is always, you know, a time when we see new players with new teams, new ballparks, new, you know, situations, new managers. And there was a what was supposed to be a big move with the player happening this week that kind of didn't happen or is still pending. 
Um, and that's the move uh, with Mookie Betts going from Boston to the Dodgers. And what was a three-team deal, which may be shrunken down to a two-team deal, but it's kind of like all over the place. Yeah. So the Dodgers were set to get David Price and Mookie Betts front of Red Sox for prospects Alex Vertigo. And I do apologize so much if I pronounce these names incorrectly, but yeah. Um, <laughs> and a pitcher named Brusado Gratterall. And the Twins were set to get Kenta Maeda from the Dodgers. But there has been some discrepancy in the injury reporting for Gratiol. I believe he had Tommy John surgery last year, and the Red Sox are pretty much saying that the Twins kind of fudged his injury reports or you know his tests with their doctors before the trade, and they're trying to pull out a whole bunch of crazy stuff. Um, so even with that, the important part is that Mookie Betts looks like he's heading to the Dodgers and David Price as well. So with that, do you think Mookie Betts gets the Dodgers over the hump to actually win the World Series, or you know, like not that much? I I I do think he'll be a great addition to the team. I don't know what it is about the Dodgers, man. It's like every it's like you know the past what two three years, whatever. You know they 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 get a nice little piece coming into the team, and it's like oh yeah, that's the piece, that's the piece they they needed. Like, right. it's over now and and then one way or another it's like it just does not work out and i mean and that's baseball i mean you're not going to win every single game uh a series can flip easily in baseball a team just gets hot and everybody sees the ball and hitting the ball so i don't know uh but will he be a great addition absolutely um i'm he's going to put more butts in seats this year so right. overall it's 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 a good it's a good move for the dodgers yeah, I think it's a good move. I mean, Mookie Best is one of the best players in the league. So whenever you get one of the best players, like it, it's impossible for it to be a bad move, barring injury. Right. But in terms of the Dodgers, you know, winning, like their problem is their best pitcher folds in the playoffs. Like, Correct. <laughs> <laughs> like Clayton Kershaw is like lights out, unhittable regular season, but for some reason in the playoffs, dude just like falls apart part like it's like ridiculous i mean last you know obviously i live in the dmv mm-hmm. so you know the nationals series against the dodgers was everywhere in the top of the conversation right but we gave up those back-to-back home runs to the nationals like it was like who is this dude making 30 something million dollars a year like and this is like a trend with him it's not like just last year like he right. like historically his numbers in the postseason have been like terrible so i don't know how much this does in in terms of their you know aspirations for the world series but you know until they fix that kershaw playoff problem i don't i don't think you know moogie bets helps that because he can't you know go out and pitch so. right i think kershaw just needs to eat his snickers because he's not himself <laughs> in the playoffs <laughs> right <laughs> i don't know Dude, what literally like the Russell Westbrook uh baseball in the playoffs like triple doubles all season and then right. in the playoffs like nothing turn the ball over <laughs> <laughs> like, dribble dribble turnover dribble dribble brick fourth quarter right. that's Clayton Kershaw <laughs> and like the and the crazy part is the Dodgers don't need help in terms of like bat their lineup is like solid from top to bottom so the fact that you have the best pitcher in baseball regular season that kills you in the playoffs that's like killing them every year 
Yeah, yeah, that's that is the issue. So yeah, I don't. I mean, I would like to see Mookie in LA, and I know that one of the things is when Magic Johnson bought into the team, he said he was going to make moves to get more black players involved. Yeah, and I think hiring Dave Roberts was a part of that too, a part of that kind of transition or initiative that Magic's trying to do. But I don't know if this is it for a World Series run. Yeah, uh, yeah, it'll remain to be seen. Like I ain't gonna front. I'm kind of mad. Uh, <laughs> there was earlier talks that the Reds were looking at him. Because uh, surprisingly, the Reds were trying to make moves this year. And I was like, oh, bet. Like, if we get him, like, I'll for sure get some tickets this year. And then uh, <laughs> obviously that didn't happen. But the short time that we had Yasio Puig here, like, the city was on fire. And, like, he won. <laughs> he won everybody's respect in Cincinnati when he took on the whole Pittsburgh Pirates team. <laughs> right. He's trying to fight the whole team. The whole team by himself. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you telling me that, and I looked it up on YouTube, too. He was, like, legit trying to fight everybody. Yes, for people who don't know what we're talking about, look up Yasiel Puig takes on the Pittsburgh Pirates, and you will see exactly what I'm talking about. Everybody's tough until you stand in front of Yasiel Puig, and he got the gun. <laughs> I can't remember if that was a game where they walked the cutoff sleeves or not, but, man, like, yeah, I wouldn't want none of that either. <laughs> and that's the irony. Like, he was in – he was with the Dodgers, and, you know, he lit a fire under that team. They still couldn't get over the hump. Yeah. So, I don't know what Mookie Betts coming in. Like, it'll be a good look, but I'm not sure if it, you know, wins in the World Series. And the other thing is, David Price is trash in the playoffs, too. He is. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're going to have two pitchers in your rotation that historically been, you know, trash in the postseason, but you think Mookie Betts is going to get you over the hump. I don't, I don't, I'm not a GM, you know, I'm not a team owner, but, you know, I watch a decent amount of baseball. And I think the Red Sox look at getting rid of Price as kind of like addition by subtraction because he's like done nothing for them consistently. So, right. Yeah. We'll see how that works out in LA. Looks like the Dodgers are going to just try to be the the former uh, Golden State Warriors and just straight, straight up off. <laughs> We're going to blow you out offensively and hope that our bullpen can, can hold up. So you're saying Mookie Betts is like KD? Is that what you, where you going with that one? Uh, I didn't mean it that way, but yeah, he could be a higher gun. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know about that comparison, but you know, <laughs> like he's a good player, but you know, I, I just don't think he's that difference maker. Like he didn't look, well, he looked good last year, but Red Sox as a whole didn't look great. Right. And like I said, the only thing that's been hurting the I mean, the Dodgers got a, like a killer lineup, so I don't I don't see what this move does for them to move them forward. But we'll have another show in the future that we'll talk about like picks and predictions and all that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going forward, speaking of the World Series, of course, you know, Astros got caught up in a little bit of trouble, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> they kind of look like the, the stringer bell of Major League Baseball right now, trying to overachieve and not, you know, doing it the right way. But they brought in one of the greatest managers of all time to kind of right the ship and Dusty Baker. And if you listen to this podcast, I'm pretty sure you know who Dusty Baker is. I mean, this dude has managed some teams with average talent and taking them to the playoffs um, don't do well historically in the playoffs, which I don't think is completely his fault, no. um, given some of the teams that he's taken to the playoffs. But again, you know, 
Astros made the move to bring in Dusty Baker to kind of clean up the culture a little bit um, after the whole cheating scandal and they clean house in the front office and in regards to the managerial staff. So, you know, with the, the move to Dusty Baker, how do you think the Astros, you know, look this year on and off paper? On paper, I think, you know, he – I think he gets it done. I mean, I don't know, like, how how uh, this takes a hit, like, on a team, like, mentally. <clears throat> I mean, I'm sure they're going to be heckled everywhere they go. I mean, you are now the Patriots of Major League Baseball. Like, you're just a cheater. <laughs> and you will be ever be known as a cheater. You know, that will take a toll. Uh, but I do think he does help clean up whatever needs to be cleaned up, whatever's left to be cleaned up. But more than anything, I think Dusty is just a good motivator uh, as far as, you know, knowing plays and things like that. Like, he, he knows how to manage the game, but I think he's a good motivator. I think he can communicate well. So, overall, I think, I think it does help. Just to me, being a black baseball fan, I'm like, why did you only give this man one year trying <laughs> to clean up? One, your image. Two, you know, just like, hey, like, you know, we, we, we want you to be here. We want you to be a part of our culture. Not we're only going to give you one deal and see how it goes. <laughs> right. Like, I, and this doesn't make sense. And the thing is, it's one year with a club option. Like, so it's not even like he don't have much leverage and choice in what happens after that one year. Right. You're right. Now, you know, unless it comes out later that Dusty only wanted one year for health reasons or whatever, something like that, then okay. <laughs> but, you know, like, other than that, like, no, like, give this man at least three years. Um, with like an option or, or something like that. Like he has to know that he's going to be there for a while and he has input on what happens with the team. But other than that, you're just, you're just temporary. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm sure he'll be respected by the players, but other than that, I don't know how serious you can take him. And like I said, like you said, that the one year and the option is like a huge smoking gun that they literally bought this dude in just to clean up their imagery, you know, maybe a year. And then move on to him, move on from him. So I don't, I don't. To your point about the players respecting him, I don't know if they will a hundred percent because they might be looking at him like, dude, you only gonna be here one year. So I'm not really like buying into whatever you selling in regards to leadership on the team. Yeah. So I think that might actually hurt them, you know, next year. And the fact that everything they do will be under a microscope, you know, is going to kind of hurt him as a manager because every Every move is going to be second guessed, or why did they do this? Why did they do that? But um, at the same time, you know, Dusty's been around. He's a smart dude. I don't think he would walk into, you know, a fire trap, so to speak. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. And like one of the crazy things that's happening, like people are already against him managing the All Star team next year, <laughs> which is insane. Like, why is that a thing? <laughs> right. Like he has something to do with what happened, you know, with them cheating or whatever, like people are calling him to step away from the all-star game. Like, and I think that's just a taste of what he's going to, you know, face this year, even though it's not his fault. Right. Like he wasn't even like there. And again, he, we keep going back to Cincinnati somehow, but <laughs> you know, he, he managed your Reds for like a good, you know, bit of time. Like yeah. from what you saw with him, with the Reds, what do you think, you know, he's going to bring to that clubhouse? I mean, <clears throat> I definitely don't blame him for our playoff woes. Um, I mean, like you said, it, it, that kind of was his thing. Like he can get a team to to like the playoffs, and they kind of don't perform well. But I mean, obviously being on the other side of the tracks now, like when we haven't made the playoffs in years, and we've been at the bottom of our division, like I would gladly take 
you know, a first round, second round exit <laughs> in the playoffs <laughs> compared to no playoffs. You know, I think I think Dusty would be good. Like I love Dusty when he was here. Uh, the culture was good. Um, the pieces that we picked up when he was here. I mean, again, that's when we had like Mike Leak, uh, Cueto, Valquez. Like our pitching. Heck, um, we had the Cuban Missile. I mean, you know, like <laughs> we were doing yeah. great. You know what I mean? Like we had a stacked lineup. Um, you know, bullpen was good. We had young studs uh, pitching. Like we were, we were great. And then you know, um, management decided to blow it all up again. Like being in DMV, when he was the manager of the Nationals, he kind of like prematurely had success with them in the playoffs. Like he won, they won the NL East like twice. Yeah, <laughs> when he was with the Nationals, and they still fired him. So I mean. He's gotten, in my opinion, as a black manager, he's gotten a raw deal with a couple of different teams he's been with. So the optics of hiring him to clean up this Astro situation, you know, is is very transparent, like what's going on. Yeah. But, you know, again, at the same time, like I said, he's been around. So I don't don't think he would walk into a situation knowing he's like set up to fail. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he has some tricks up his sleeves or at least like you said, he's not walking in blindly. Like there shouldn't be too many things that surprise him. Shout out to Dusty Bacon. I mean, whole world's going to be watching. (laughs) Good luck, Dusty. (laughs) (laughs) Yo, crazy. Like this is wild, crazy story. So like uh, this had to be about, I would say about, six or seven years ago like he he was managing i forget who he's managing at the time but they were actually in town to play the orioles and like me and my boys were at the club and like dusty baker was like in the club and i was like why the hell is dusty baker in a nightclub in baltimore (laughs) like (laughs) like and i guess it was chill because not too many people are going to recognize like dusty baker like especially like in baltimore right right but he was legit, like, posted up at the bar chilling, having a drink in the club one night. And I was like, yo, that's Dusty Baker. And nobody knew what the hell I was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that was, like, so insane to me. And I'll never forget that as, like, a baseball fan. But. Yeah. That, yeah. And I guess this kind of goes to the stereotype. So, like, uh, what club was I? I was at some club out here in uh, Cincinnati. And um, it was a Cuban Missile. He was, like, in the back. It it wasn't really like a VIP area, but it was a, a back in the back of a club that was kind of ducked off or whatever. And like nobody knew he was even in there. And it, it was a mainly predominantly black club or whatever. So again, not a lot of black baseball fans, I guess. Um, nobody <laughs> knew who he was. He was just tall. You know what I mean? Like that's how he stood out. But sure right. enough, when the club let out and they see this uh, Ferrari sitting in the <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry, Lamborghini sitting outside. Everybody's like, whose car is that? And then he walks to it gets in and drives off and everybody's like, who was that? <laughs> like that's what many people know. That's how many right. people notice, right. So that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and to a bigger point, like, and this is way off base. Like I'm really surprised like the love and hip hop type of chicks haven't gotten to baseball players yet. Right. Being like they make the most out of any professional athlete. Yeah. <laughs> it's because, like you know, I listen like the Breakfast Club with Charlemagne, and Charlemagne is always saying that he's like, "Boy, y'all lucky I'm a man." And he's like, "I'd be a thought if I was a female." He said, "Everybody know baseball players got the best contracts." 
Right, but I don't, for whatever reason, like the women don't be on baseball players for some reason, even though they like making like twice as much as NBA players. Right, guaranteed money, better contracts. Most of them are from like the islands, so like going home would be vacation to most chicks. Yeah, right, there, but... <laughs> right. <laughs> I digress. I'm not snitching. I'm not sending the loving hip hop chicks out. Yeah, to yeah, no, yeah. I don't want none of my Reds players caught up this year. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> we're trying to make a run this year <laughs> I don't get nobody jammed up right. but um, moving from Dusty Baker and you know making his way back to the diamond um, another damn we keep going back to Cincinnati but um, another Reds legend is actually trying to use you know the Astros scandal to get back into baseball um, and that's the all time hit leader and Pete Rose so with that, you think Pete Rose has a shot of being reinstated at some point? Being that you know what he's done hasn't been the worst thing that happened to Major League Baseball. I mean, you obviously got the Astros and the whole PED era of baseball. You got like the Black Sox scandal way back in the day. All this stuff. Like Pete Rose is literally not the worst person in Astro baseball by yeah. like a mile. I, I, so you think they're gonna reinstate him at some point in some capacity? Sadly, I think not. Now, you know, I'm biased. I'm a Reds fan. I think he absolutely deserves to get in. Um, I mean, just look at the man's stats, and I mean, he's an icon. <laughs> you know, right. is his name. I mean, Charlie Hustle. Like, there's so many aliases he goes by. It's I think it'd be one of those things where he probably won't get in while he's alive because they don't want to give him those flowers while he can still smell them. He'll probably die. And then like five years later, they'll be like, hey, you know what? (laughs) We have a change of heart. You know, Pete Rose absolutely deserves to get in the Hall of Fame and we're going to honor his wishes. (laughs) Right. Um, Um, Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, I don't see how you keep, like, with so much he's accomplished, I don't see how you keep him out. He's not the worst person in the history of baseball by far. So I don't think, you know, keeping him out really does anything for the game of baseball. So I I don't know what the commissioner, you know, how he views what happens. I can understand the commissioner at the time not wanting to, you know, induct him into the Hall of Fame because a lot of that stuff happened on, you know, his particular watch. But, I mean, going forward, like, like you said, They'll probably wait till he dies. They'll probably like Negro League him and wait till he dies to put him in the Hall of Fame. And um, I don't think it's deserved. I don't think it's, you know, warranted, especially like they literally haven't, to my knowledge, and you probably know a lot more than the situation I do. I don't know if they've actually provided proof that he was like betting on this team or against this team at any point. Um, I think they found like the papers, I think. And don't quote me. I'm not 100% sure myself, but. You know, and again, I don't know if this is me being biased or as a Reds fan or just a, like a sports fan, but like you said, like everything that he accomplished, like you can't tell me that, well, you betting on baseball, which, you know, is the unforgivable sin in their eyes. Like you, you better on baseball. Like I said, it's been a lot worse. And, and the fact that people are betting on sports, period, let alone baseball, is just like, come on, this is 2020 at this point. Like we need to. Let this man in. What he did, he paid for his mistakes. Like you know, right. let's 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 make it right at this point. Um, I I really do think you're, um, doing baseball a disservice by not having him in. Um, his his jersey, his bus definitely deserves to be in there. I mean, it's Charlie Hustle. 
<laughs> right. And the, and the other thing, like the the hypocrisy of it is like the major sports leagues now, they like feed information to like the gambling houses, like the set lines and stuff. Like they announce who the umpires are going to be before the games. Yeah. You know, they provide weather, like they provide like the casinos and the sports books with information to help shape lines. And, you know, they give information to like FanDuel and DraftKings and all the other like yeah. supposedly fantasy platforms that is, it's really gambling at the end of the day. They like proactively provide information to these outlets and platforms, but they still want to keep this guy from gambling, which is like nuts to me. Yeah. It's, <clears throat> I think it's just time to come off the moral soapbox for, for baseball. It's like, come on, <laughs> it's time, right. you know, it's time. And speaking of the hall of fame, of course the major news, probably maybe like one of the biggest stories, if it wasn't for the Astros, was Derek Jeter not being a unanimous, you know, inductee to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, let's just go over some of Derek Jeter's, like, accomplishments. Like, and these are just some. Like, five World Series rings, 14-time All-Star, five gold gloves, he's six all-time in hits, 200 postseason hits, which is number one all-time, 3,000 total hits. And that's just some of his accomplishments. Right. And some writer somewhere just decided not to vote for him for the Hall of Fame. Right. Hate. Now, <laughs> that's got hate, like, written, like, all over it. And that's, like, crazy. Like, crazy and insane. It makes no sense. And the irony of that is that for years, you know, people – made an argument against closers even getting into the Hall of Fame, but Mario Rivera is the only unanimous inductee to the Hall of Fame. Right. Who was Derek Jeter's teammate during those five World Series championships. Right. <laughs> I don't even like know what we do that. And the, the other thing is that the person who decided not to vote for Jeter chose to remain anonymous. Coward. Like, right. You can't throw a stone and hide your hand. Right. Like I don't know. What were your thoughts on you know how that unfolded, how that news came out? I was I don't want to say I was shocked because there was there was talks about like I just I don't know, I just kind of figured, you know, half of me well, I was like, well, if Mariano Rivera got in unanimously, Jeter should definitely be a part of that. Cause like you said, they were teammates. Uh Jeter was like the face of the franchise. Um you know, it's in baseball for a long time. Yeah, and, and baseball period. Yeah, I mean, he was called the captain. Like that was just his name. Like oh, the captain. So some of me was like, well, yeah, he'll definitely be unanimous. And I was like, well, maybe not. Like because there's always that one person. Like, and I said that too. I was like it would probably be like just one person that would be like, you know what? I'm gonna screw this up just for just for the the hell of it. Like, and uh, and yeah, that's what happened. Now I'm gonna be a little messy and say, <laughs> um. Obviously, we don't know who this person is. Let's not forget some of Derek Jeter's accomplishment off the field. <laughs> because that is part of his legend as well. That's part of his legend as well. Now, this man was notorious for dating some of the most beautiful women in the world, let alone New York City. And right. he was known for his- Yeah, he dated Miss Universe at one point. Laura Dutta, I think I named one. Okay, okay. I got a whole list of his dating accomplishments. Yeah, I mean, and, and they are accomplishments. Like, this man is a woman. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, keep in mind, like, 
nothing ever came back bad about Jeter. Like you never heard anything negative off 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 the field. Like the man was a stand up citizen, but he was right. known for dating the most prettiest women, and you know treated them right, and you know giving them gift baskets, take <laughs> <laughs> homes, if you will. You know what I mean? I think this sports writer was very jealous and envious of that, and who knows? Maybe his girl might have been one of those women that got the gift baskets. No, I'm well. I don't know about that because if you've seen the the sports writers that wrote on the Hall of Fame, none of those dudes are bagging anything on this list. Could have been their niece. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and that's the thing. Like you make a valid point, though. Like to do what he did off the field in New York, New York. and nothing ever got messy. Like mm-hmm. that. Like an accomplishment Absolutely. within itself, right? not a stain on them, right? Not like an accusation, not a nothing. Yeah. Like I think that's an accomplishment within itself. And like just going back to the voting thing, I actually thought that Mariano getting in unanimously was the setup for Jeter to get in unanimously. Right, you would think. I thought I thought they they gave him that, so when it was Jeter's time, it would be a less controversial, less. You know, less of a thing to be brought up, honestly, because I mean, like, what argument could you possibly make against Derek Jeter? Like, some people have said that he may be, you know, a little bit overrated because, you know, he played in New York and all that type of stuff. But I mean, yo, this dude performed, like, talk about playoffs. Like, we talked about Kershaw on the playoffs. Like, Jeter was like the polar opposite. Like, he could do no wrong, you know, in the playoffs in crunch time. So, like, for anybody to vote against this dude getting a hold of lean, it's just, just crazy to me. And, like, I don't get it at all. And one of the things that just stick with me was, like, his last game. Uh, the most memorable moment uh, for me was, which is, like, uh, one of those, uh, um, I know people made memes out of it. And, and not a negative thing, but people made memes and, like, gifts off of that. But the little kid raising the hat to set respect. Yeah. Like, that was a yeah. Derek Jeter moment. Like, that's an infant, infant I can't even say it. <laughs> Infamous. <laughs> it's infamous, basically. Um, right. You know what I mean? Like that's that's iconic. Like that's Derek Jeter. Like that's what he did for baseball. Like and for a writer, be like, ah, nah, he's not gonna get my vote for, you know, to make this thing solid. Yeah, I I need to know why. I need answers, Sway. <laughs> I don't think we ever going to get <laughs> answer to that. Like. Is 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 crazy to me, and I, I can actually honestly say the same thing about you know King Griffey Jr. Why he didn't get unanimous vote? Yeah, he was in the the you know the same vein as Jeter. I mean, he doesn't have the championships, obviously, right. but I mean, find a flaw in his career or in his game that you know doesn't put him in that unanimous category. Yeah, I mean, you know, especially during like, and I think the difference is even though G, uh, Jeter was you know, around during the um the steroid era. You know, Griffey was obviously in it in it um during that era. And like, you know, there was never really any I'm sure people certain people may have made speculations, but Griffey never got big. He you know, he, he never, you know, came back when during the off season thirty pounds heavier <laughs> solid. You know what I mean? Like he right. played 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 well. Uh, his numbers never jumped off the chart like one season compared to the next. Like he was pretty consistent, always around the 50, 60 home runs, you know, played his butt off, uh, still made plays. I mean, he, his biggest thing was like, you know, certain people would say that he never just stayed healthy. Like he always pulled like hamstrings and things like that. I mean, I'm not going to knock the man's workout regimen. Like I don't know what he did or didn't do 
But that was the only negative right. thing. People would be like, yeah, he just never took care of his body. Which, even if that is the case, you know, I'm not going to fault him. That's like his, that could be his Achilles in his game. Right. And well, the, and the thing with Griffey, even with the injuries, he got hurt making plays, though. Like, right. <laughs> <laughs> he got hurt, like, jumping against walls and, you know, trying to get the extra base yeah. and all that type of stuff. Right. So even if you try to hold injuries against Griffey, like, dude, he was out there playing. Right. That's how he got hurt. He wasn't like, one of those dudes out there washing his car and broke his hand somehow. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, dude was, like, actually making plays. But um, I don't know if this, like, should be, like, a rate, like, an opportunity for the Hall of Fame to re-examine how they do, you know, their votes and everything, though. Like, yeah, because this is clearly somebody dropping a ball. Yeah, I, I think after this, we definitely need to look into it. I mean, if nothing else, the fans should demand that we look at another way of voting. There's a lot of those, you know, for the sanctity of the game type of dudes that vote on a whole bunch of things in baseball, like Hall of Fame MVPs, all that type of stuff. Right. That I just think that way of thinking is a little outdated and it's not really helping the game at all. Right. Like Jeter being a unanimous in the Hall of Fame would have been like, I mean, it's big news that he got in. It didn't hurt him getting in, but like if he was unanimous, it would like take it to another level. Um, but yeah, like these for the sanctity of the game and what's good for the game type of guys, like they need to kind of like get out the way at this point. Yeah, because there's a lot of a gu- lot of guys in the Hall of Fame. Say what you want to say about the PED era baseball, but like legit, like baseball was on its last leg until you know Sosa, McGuire, and Barnes started like doing. Whatever they were doing, yeah, it, it definitely like, brought the attention back to to baseball. I mean, remember even the commercial "Chicks Dig the Long Ball," <laughs> right? You know, like that's that's what we wanted to see. We wanted to see somebody hit a home run, uh, four hundred <laughs> feet at right. the stadium. We wanted to see the splash balls from Barry Bonds. You know, at that point, I'm like, let everybody be on steroids, and I want to see my pitcher. <laughs> I want to see my pitchers throwing a ball 105 miles per hour. I want to see my home run hitters hitting the ball 500 feet. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's just make it an even playing field and let put everybody on steroids if that's what's going to make the, the game better. Right. And and that's the other thing. Like, with the PEDs, like, pitchers and hitters are on them. So, right. if you got a pitcher that's on PEDs and a batter that's on PEDs, I mean, like, that's an even matchup to me. It is. And, and that was my point for the whole Barry Bonds thing. Like, even if this man was on steroids, his hand-eye coordination was still off the charts. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I don't care if he was on steroids or not. Like what he accomplished, I mean, how many what was it his last like two seasons or whatever? Like how many times they had to walk him because they was like, nah, there's no way I'm gonna let this guy even get a piece of the ball because he could still hit it out the park. Like that to me right. just says a lot. So again, you know, I I'm not saying he he was or wasn't. Like I don't care. Like. That man can hit the ball. <laughs> right. He put fear in so, <laughs> yeah. Right. So, I mean, like, I don't know if this is a watershed moment for Hall of Fame voting. Some people are saying it's not that serious, and it might not be because, I mean, ultimately he got in with, like, 99% of the votes, 99.7 or whatever it was to be exact. But um, I think it is kind of a watershed moment to kind of examine or re-examine how Hall of Fame voting and MVP voting and all that stuff goes in baseball. So, yeah. great thing is, like, they reserved a spot for his plaque to go next to Mariano Rivera's in the Hall of Fame, which is pretty dope. That is. Actually, I've never been to the Hall of Fame. I actually want to get up there at some point. Well, it's crazy that, you know, I live in Ohio and I still have not been myself. 
I have not been to that, and I have not been to the NFL Hall of Fame. So, yeah, I need to get together. Bro, you never been to Canton? I have not. So you live, like, right there. <laughs> <laughs> like, legit. Like, that would be, like, a day trip for you. Yeah, easy. Maybe we'll get to the level where we can do, like, a live podcast at Hall of Fame weekend or something. That'd be dope. Yeah, MLB holla at us. Like, we won't be offended at how much money you offer us. At all. <laughs> your way right so yeah we have goals for this podcast i'll i'll share later but um that would be dope if we actually got up to the hall of fame to be a part of that that would be and speaking of the hall of fame that leads us to our negro league legend of the game mr andrew rube foster born on september 17th 1879 in calvert texas was known as the father of black baseball Considered one of the best black pitchers in baseball during the early 1900s, Foster started his career with the Waco Yellow Jackets, an independent black team, in 1897. During his career, Foster would pitch for not only the Yellow Jackets, but the Chicago Union Giants, which he co-founded, Barton's Asigo Independence, and the Cuban X-Giants. In 1903, Foster led the X-Giants to the Eastern Black Championship against the Philadelphia Giants. The X-Giants won the series five games to two with Foster winning four games of the series. In Foster's first tennis manager in 1907, he led the Chicago Leland Giants to 110 wins, including 48 straight, on the way to winning the Chicago City League pennant. Not long after that, in 1910, Foster would become the owner of the Leland Giants. Foster's biggest impact on the game would come in 1920 when he organized a meeting with six other Midwestern black club owners at a YMCA in Kansas City, Missouri, to form a professional black baseball circuit known as the Negro National League, with Foster serving as the president. Under Foster, the NNL was the first Negro League to achieve financial stability and last more than one season. Foster would pass away on December 9th, 1930 in Kanakee, Illinois at the age of 51. He would later be elected into the Baseball Hall of Fame by the Veterans Committee in 1981. That's the wrap up. This is our first episode. Um, like I said, opening day is about 49 days away. Um, so we're counting down, I think, pitchers and catchers or what, next week? Uh, yeah, weeks? I know... Uh... You know, speaking from my team, the Reds, I know they left Cincinnati to head to the, the training camp, so uh, spring training. So, yeah, it's, it's I, I believe it is like this week or next week. All right. So 2020 baseball is right around the corner. So we'll we'll be here. We'll, we'll, we'll give you a part every week um, about what's going on, highlights, big moments, talk around the game, all that types of stuff, anything you want to throw in there before we sign off? Uh, no, nah, I think we're good. I think this was a good podcast, first podcast, and it only get better. Absolutely. All right, so thanks for checking us out. Um, we will be on all of the podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Um, so subscribe, like, leave comments. We will see you again next week. Peace.